This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin by hearing how Sergeant Joe Friday of Dragnet fame will find the person responsible for bombing City Hall. Dragnet is perhaps the most famous and influential police procedural drama in media history. The series gave audience members a feel for the boredom and the drudgery, as well as the danger and heroism of police work. Dragnet earned praise for improving the public opinion of police officers. And actor and producer Jack Webb's aims for... Dragnet were realism and unpretentious acting. He achieved both goals, and Dragnet remains a key influence on subsequent police dramas in many media. Webb insisted on realism in the show. The dialogue, it was clipped, understated, and sparse, influenced by the hard-boiled school of crime fiction. Scripts were fast-moving but didn't seem rushed. Every aspect of police work was chronicled step-by-step, from patrols and paperwork to crime scene investigation, lab work, and questioning witnesses or suspects. The detectives' personal lives rarely took center stage. Here, then, is the episode of Dragnet first broadcast in 1949. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You've been off duty two hours. You receive an emergency call from the chief of detectives. An entire block in the heart of your city is threatened with complete destruction. Your job, report at once. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, November 15th. It was raining in Los Angeles. We were off duty reporting in on an emergency call. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. It was 8.32 a.m. when I walked in the Spring Street entrance of the city hall. You Sergeant Friday? Yeah, that's right. Uh, take my elevator, Sergeant. It's the only one in service. All right. I'll run you up to 16. The chief's waiting for you up there. What's the pitch? Only one elevator in service out of ten? The place looks deserted. What's going on? Nobody in the building. All the office people been sent home. Lots of trouble. 
Somebody declare a holiday? No joke, Sergeant. Big trouble. All right, you convinced me. What is it? Here we are. 16th floor. Over here, please. Hi, Joe. Hello, Ben. You made good time. Came as soon as I got the call. Sorry to have to bring you back in. You worked last night, didn't you? Yeah, midnight to eight this morning. Sorry. Come on. Okay. What is it, Skipper? Why all the hush? Wait till we get inside. In here. Okay. Number one, let's keep our voices down. All right. I'll make it as brief as I can. Every minute counts. What time you got, Friday? 8.33. All right, here it is. Fifty-five minutes ago, a man walked into this building with a homemade bomb under his arm. If we don't release his brother from the county jail by nine o'clock this morning, he says he'll pull the trigger on the bomb and blow up the whole building. He's kidding, Skipper. Who is the guy? Name's Vernon Carney. Here's his package. He and his brother have been in and out of jail since 1937. Small-time thieves. Yeah. There's the FBI kickback. We had him once before, both of them. Brother's name is Elwood, serving a year for car stripping. And this two-bit thief is sitting here in a city hall with a bomb on his lap? That's right. In the next room. What kind of a bomb is it, Ed? You think he's bluffing? Could be bluffing, but the crime lab says no. Lee Jones from the lab get a look at? Been in there twice. One end of the box is glass. Says you can't see much without a closer look, but you can't get near the guy. What do you want us to do? It's a volunteer job. You can take it or leave it. I won't order you to do it. How you want to handle it? You sure you want a piece of this one, Romero? No, he doesn't, Ed. He's got a family. Get me another single man. We'll give it a try. Wait a minute, Joe. What makes this, this job so different? Anytime we kick a door in, we never know what's on the other side. That's what makes it different. This time we do. No, you're not going to cut me out. Not the only time I know what I'm getting into. All right. Chandler's tried. Hannon, Davis, Watson, they've all tried. This guy, Connie, knows what he's doing. He's no pushover. But somebody's got to get that bomb away from him. Friday, Romero, it's your baby now. I looked at my watch. It was 8.36. We left Backstrand and started down the hall. If Carney was going to make good his threat to blow up the building by 9 o'clock, we had exactly 24 minutes to talk him out of it. Ben and I figured we'd better look him over first and then work out some kind of a plan. Maybe just talking to him would do it. Vernon Carney was sitting in a straight-back chair against the far wall facing the door. He was seated between two windows that looked out over the city. Along the left wall was a row of six wooden chairs. In the center of the right wall was a connecting door leading to the office where Backstrand had briefed us. The door was locked on both sides. Just off center and favoring the left of the room was a small filing table. The other furniture in the office was a desk just forward of the connecting door on the right. There was a dictaphone on the desk. In the near left corner, shielded by a white screen, was a small wash basin. The faucet leaked. Vernon Carney was middle-aged. He sat erect, holding a black box on his lamp. He held his right hand inside one end of the box. Ben and I stood there for a minute and looked at him. Then we walked in the room. What do you say to a man with a bomb? That's close enough. Cigarette, Carney? I'm not smoking right now. What are you trying to prove? You know what I want. We're not going to let your brother out of jail. You've got until 9 o'clock to change your mind. According to that clock on the wall, you've got 24 minutes. If we go, you're going with us, Carney. Don't take much of a brain to figure that, copper. What made you think you could get away with this? Haven't yet. It ain't nine o'clock. Unless that clock's slow. Haven't checked it against my pocket watch lately. That's the one that's running this show. Have you given any thought to all the innocent people that are going to go up with that thing of yours there? My brother's innocent. I want him out of jail. The court says he's guilty. He'll get out when he serves his time. That's where you're wrong, copper. He gets out at nine o'clock this morning. All right, come on, Connie. 
Get your hand over that box. Put the box on the table. You think I'm bluffing, don't you? I'm going to let you get within five feet before I make a liar out of you. Okay, Kearney. I guess you mean business. You can take three more steps and find out for sure. Suppose we did let your brother out. We'd just come out and pick him up again, you along with him? If you could find it. Let's get this straight. If we let your brother Elwood out, how do we know you're going to keep your promise? What promise? I ain't made any promises. You just get Elwood down here first, and then we'll talk about it. There's only one thing I can't figure, Kearney. Yeah, what's that? If we don't let your brother out, you say you'll pull the trigger on that bomb. You're going to kill a lot of innocent people. What are you going to prove by that? It's 8.37. You've got 23 minutes left. Now, I wish you'd answer that one for me. Why do you want to kill a lot of innocent people? Don't try to con me, copper. I know they cleared everybody out of this building 45 minutes ago. I know they cleaned out the whole block. They got it roped off. Where'd you get your information? I got a couple of windows here to look out of. Don't you think it's about time to send somebody over to get Elwood? You know, Corny, we've got a way out of this. We don't have to let your brother out, neither. I've heard that before. What's to stop us from leaving the building along with the other few officers and let you sit here and touch off that bomb? Go ahead. It won't be a long wait without you. Who are you trying to kid? You'd let me blow up $10 million worth of taxpayers' money? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. You're going to let Elwood out. You'll wait till the last minute to do it. But you'll let him out. Ed, I'm still not convinced Carney can back up what he says. Then why didn't you take the box away from him? Yeah. We're in a spot, let's face it. How about an eye for an eye, Skipper? What do you mean? He pulls the trigger on that machine, he kills us. How about us getting him first? All right, Romero. How are you going to handle it? I'm not top man on the pistol range, but I could wing him. And then he hands the box to you? Or maybe he falls and his reflex action pulls the trigger. Okay, I don't wing him. I stop him for keeps. You just can't walk in there and shoot him down. Why not? You do the same thing with armed criminals. Yeah, but you warn him first. I'll warn him. Yeah, and after you shoot him, you find out it's a harmless gadget. Couldn't have gone off in a million years. No, no, a gun's not the answer. We can't shoot him until we're positive. We'll be positive by 9 o'clock, and there might not be anybody around to shoot him. We've located Carney's apartment. There's a detail out there checking it now. Pacelli and Morris. Ed, have you got any ideas at all? Anything we could try? That's why I called you in. None of us have gotten any further than you did just now. There's just one thing I want to know for sure. Yeah, Friday. Is it or isn't it? We all want to know. Either way, we've got to get that box away from him. Backstrand. Yeah. You did? Yeah. No, stay out there till I call you. All right, here's half the answer. That was Pacelli. They found 28 sticks of dynamite in Carney's apartment. We knew Carney wasn't kidding now. We could see into the bomb through that glass window in one end. It looked like dynamite inside, and there was dynamite in Carney's room. We didn't know if he had the nerve to pull the trigger. We didn't know if it would go off when he did. But with only minutes remaining, nobody wanted to take the chance. From here on in, all of us agreed that Vernon Carney sat in the next room, holding in his two hands a force powerful enough to destroy us all. We had to get that box away from him, and to get that box, we had to have a plan. I looked at my watch. It was 8.40. 20 minutes till 9 o'clock. How do we get it away from him? I got an idea. It might work. Let's have it. Carney's sitting against the far wall between two windows. They're both open. Yeah, that's right. All right, if we could get a man through one of those windows, we might get Carney from behind. How are you going to get him? Whoever gets through the window could slug him. What do you do then? Somebody grabs the box. The crime lab can tell us what to do with it. How do we get a man through one of those windows? We're on the 16th floor. Well, there's some kind of a ledge that runs around the building on each story. Wide enough for a man to walk on? And let's take a look. All right. 
in there, Joe. That's a good 18 inches. Could be done. Oh, too risky. It's raining out. That ledge is slippery. Strong wind out there, Joe. Tear a man right off the building. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, there's still a way. How about a ladder? Sixteen floors, Skipper. There might be a way. Fire department would know that. I'll get Battalion Chief Erickson. Is Lee Jones in the building? No, he's over in the crime lab. I'll get him up here, too. I don't know, Friday. Maybe it'll work. It's got to, Ed. All right, now look. It's going to take a couple of minutes to set this up. We've got to know what Carney's doing every second of that time. Well, how about the dictaphone in there on there? Good. Get it on without him seeing you. We'll try. The dictaphone in there is connected to this one in here. This room is 1614. You got that? Yeah. All right, push down key 1614 on that machine in there and leave it down. Get the receiver off the hook and leave it off. Leave the receiver off. That's right. You know, if it isn't off the hook, we won't be able to hear a thing in here. All right. Come on, Ben. It is back, friend. Give me Chief Erickson. Where's my brother? Still in his cell. You coppers are long on talk, but short on time. Yeah, we know. I'm telling you. For your own good, you'd better get Elwood over here. Carney, I'll bet if we get your brother on the phone here, he'll tell you he doesn't want any part of this. You mean Elwood don't want out? In swing. Dory wants out. It's not your way. He's only got a year to serve. I'll have to leave him alone. I told El. I told him I'd get him out. He didn't think I could do it. But I'm doing it. I'll make you a bet, Carney. Let us get your brother on the phone. He won't walk out of here with you. Get him on the pipe. Where you going? The phone's over here. Have to use the dictaphone. They get no key from the chief. Elwood's still a prisoner. What's the matter with the phone? No operators. You know the building's been cleared. Oh, yeah. That's right. Almost forgot. Okay, you can use the dictaphone. This Friday, Ed. Connie wants to talk to his brother. Yeah, I know you'll have to send somebody over. Have them put the call on extension. Wait a minute. What's that extension number, Ben? Two, three, five, one. Two, three, five, one, Ed. Right. It'll take a minute. Yeah. I'd kind of like to talk to El. Been a couple of months since I seen him. We've always been together, me and El, most of the time. Bill, let's go and see if we can't hurry that call. Good idea, boy. Sixteen minutes to nine. Hey, cop. Yeah. Forgot to hang up the dictaphone, didn't you? the receiver back on the dictaphone. Ben and I had failed to make good on the first step of the plan. When we got outside the door, we briefed Davis and Watson. They went in to sit with Carney. It would be their job to keep us posted on Carney's movement. The dictaphone was out. We went back into the office next door. Chief Sam Erickson of the fire department and Lieutenant Lee Jones from the crime lab were already there. We told Backstrand what happened. Would have been a help. We haven't got time to cry over it. Barney's wide awake, Skipper. He doesn't miss a thing. Backstrand told us the plan, Friday. We camp on a ladder up from the street. Too high, Chief? Best we got us a hundred-foot area. You figure 12 foot to the story, that'll take you up 96 feet, eight floors. And we've got the latest equipment. What's the idea you had, Jones? Sam, can you get hold of a pump here in a hurry? Sure, we got a lot of scaling ladders, but you got nothing up there to hook them on. You figure on dropping down from the floor above? That's right, and I figure a pump here would do it. Sure it would. You can make it past the windowsill up there, but you got a foot and a half ledge in the way, no... What you want is a lifeline. You mean Laura man on a rope, Chief? Yeah, Romero. That's the quickest and the quietest. Could you rig it so one of my boys could do it? Sure. What's the risk? None, if you work it right. We'll strap on a life belt. Give the man heavy leather gloves. Two of my men will lower him down. We'll pick the lightest man. What do you think, Lee? That's it. What do we do with the bomb we get it? I figure that box Connie's holding is about a foot square. Here's what I'll do. I'll get you a bucket with a foot and a half mouth. It'll be full of water. Yeah. I'll have it right outside the door of that office. When you get that box, place it in the water. 
We'll get the bucket out of the building as fast as we can. And once we get the bomb underwater, we're in and clear. And I can't promise you that, but it's the safest way to handle it under the circumstances. All right, that's the procedure. Sam, you take care of your end. Right away. I'll get a detail to give me a hand down on the street. They'll have a car ready to take the bomb to a safe area to decommission it. Work as fast as you can. Come on, Sam. It's our baby, Joe. That's right. Which part of it you want, the rope or the bomb? You call it. Fire Chief Erickson says the lightest man on the rope. That's me, Joe. All right, I'll get the bomb out of the building. Okay, that's the routine. But carry this with you. The man comes down on that rope has one chance to make good. You slug him and make it count because there's no second try. Yeah. And Joe, when you grab that box, you've got to get it away from Carney before he can squeeze the trigger. Then you've got to get it down into the street. The elevator. You know how to operate it? That's well, pretty simple, but I'll double check with the operator. Better do it right now. Okay. Ed, we better get Carney's brother on the phone for him. He seemed anxious. Might be a pretty good stall. All right, Romero, that's the outside phone. Get the city jail. All right, Skipper. Get going, Friday. Okay. Hey, you. Elevator man. Uh, yeah, Sergeant. Let me see if I know how to work that thing. You taking over the elevator? Well, in a couple of minutes. You want to check me out? Nothing to it, Sergeant. All right. Now, here's the control, see? Uh-huh. You push this lever right to go up, left to go down. You see this little trigger on the underside of the handle? Yeah. That's the safety lock. Be sure you squeeze it or you can't move the lever. Let me try it. Huh? That's it. Uh-huh. Right to go up, uh-huh. left to go down. Right to go up, left to go down. How do you operate the door? Automatic. They work off the control lever. When the control lever is locked in the up or down position, the doors will close. I get it. Now, in case they jam, this red emergency button up here? Yeah. Push it. If that doesn't close them, we call the repairman. Okay, I think I got it. You sure now? I've had my orders to get out of the building. I'll just leave the elevator right here and take the stairs down. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, Sergeant, Hmm? just curious. You going to take the bomb down in this car? We're going to try. You won't have any trouble. We haven't had an elevator failure in 18 months. The elevator man turned and went down the stairs. Outside of a handful of volunteers and a man with a bomb, the city hall was now cleared. I started down the corridor and met Ben outside the office. He told me that Lee Jones and Chief Erickson were on their way up in the freight elevator at the rear of the building with the necessary equipment. The two fire department volunteers were with him. The phone call had been put through to the city jail, and in a moment, Elwood Carney would be ready at the other end of the line. We went in to tell Carney. I told him over at the jail to put the call through on extension 2351. Yeah. When's it coming through? Right now. Mm-hmm. You got Elwood with you? No. Look, Carney, we told you we'd get him on the phone for you. The call will be through in a minute. Minutes a long time, cuff. You only got 12 of them left. Elwood's going to talk you out of this. Sure. Sure, everybody's going to talk me out of this. First, it was them other two cops, the little porky guy and that other monkey. Then you and this Dixie Doughhead here. Now it's Elwood. Come off it, will you, and get my brother over here. That's him. Your brother, Connie, I'll get him. They put you. Just going to get the phone. You want to talk to your brother, don't you? I'll take care of the phone. We'll disconnect it for a while. Now get it straight, copper. I'm through with your stinking rotten lying. I want Elwood here. And I want him now. Bring him here before I blow you all to pieces. What's going on? Who threw that phone out in the hall? I did. You want me to go out and pick it up? Carney, that's not going to get you any place. You the big boss around here? Maybe. Are you or aren't you? I answered you. All right, big boy. I've got a piece of advice for you. Take your rookie cops here and get it through their heads. I mean what I say. I want my brother over here in this room. And you've got just 11 minutes to get it done. Tell him that, will you, boy? All right, Connie. It's your show. 
out. We got to work fast now. Jones, everything set for you? Got the bucket with the water right here. Car's waiting down in the street. Right. Erickson, your boys ready? Upstairs, waiting. And we all know what to do. Ed, I gotta have somebody to give me a hand with Carney when he falls. I'll be in there with you, Friday. Let's go upstairs, Chief. Anytime. Oh. One thing you ought to know. What's that? Strong wind coming up. About 20 mile an hour out there right now. That gonna louse us up? No, but it's gonna increase the sway. Gotta allow for it. How you mean? Wind's coming from the south. We'll lower you just to the right of the window. If I figure it correctly, the wind will do the rest. Bigger risk, but you don't control the weather. How are you going to do it, then? As soon as I get in position, I'll reach in through the window on his right. I'll use the belly. Try to catch him on the right side of his head. One good hit should put him away. Let's make it two and be sure, huh? Right. You ready, Chief? Now, let's go. Ben. Yeah? Nothing. I'll be careful. You too, huh? What's the time, Friday? 8.50. Shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes for Romero to get down to that window. Lest the wind gives them trouble. Jones, no use you sticking around. I'll give Friday a hand. That's my job. We've got to keep you alive to decommission the bomb. Bomb joke. See you downstairs. You ready, Ed? Yeah. Scared, Friday? Yeah. That makes us even. Come on. Ed Backstrand and I went into the next room with Vernon Carney. Our job was to keep him occupied until Ben was lowered to the windowsill from the floor above. Ben was going to make a try from the window on Carney's right. Somehow, we had to keep Carney's attention on us and away from that window. If anything went wrong and Carney got out of position, the plan would fail. If Ben was spotted, the plan would fail. If Chief Erickson didn't estimate the force of the wind correctly, the plan would fail. After Ben slugged Carney, my timing had to be perfect. If it wasn't, the plan would fail. I looked at my watch. It was eight minutes to nine. Carney, anything we can say that'll make you change your mind? I've asked you a hundred times. Now I'm ordering you. You're going to get to a phone and have somebody send Elwood over here right now. I'm through waiting. Now move. You ripped out the phone, Carney. Well, find another one. I told you I'm sick of your two-bit stalling. We've got until nine o'clock to make up our mind about this. You had until nine. But you wouldn't do what I told you. Now I'm cutting you short. You guys have got exactly one minute to get a phone in this room where I can hear you call the jail and have them send Elwood over here. You said nine, Carney. All right, Joe. We'll give him what he wants. Davis, unlock the connecting door to this office. I'll get the phone, Ed. Will the cord reach? Your brother's a prisoner. He's in our custody and he's under our protection. We can't place his life in jeopardy. Why not leave it up to Al? Here's the phone, Ed. Yeah. Kenworthy, this is Backstrand. The one Elwood Carney over here at City Hall. His brother wants to see him. Explain the situation. If he wants to come, get him over here. Leave it up to him. Room 1614. You'll have to use the freight elevator. And tell him to hurry. Yeah. Tell him to hurry. That's the only smart thing you've done today. Now, why don't you go next door and figure out another angle? We'll wait for L2. You don't think I'd let you get out now, do you? We're all going to wait right here for my brother. In case he don't show up, you're going to see me pull the plug. Just sit down. Not the close. Right where you are, sit down. Loud clock, ain't it? 
Wendy. Getting cold in here. Sure, a loud clock. Real windy. Maybe I ought to close the windows. Don't want to catch any of cold. I turn on the heat. Stay put, cop. Hey, what's that? What's going on? Just the wind. Shut up. There's somebody out there. I can see his feet. You stupid cops. Pull him up. Get back there. You pull him up. Ready to him to pull him up. Right. All right, Charlie. You win. You bet I win, you dumb copper. You didn't think I'd miss a trick like that. We'll just close these windows, boys. There's one. Lock it. Here's your brother, Connie. Yeah. Hi, Al. Hi, Vern. You did it. I told you. I told you I'd do it, didn't I? That's far enough for the rest of you. Al, come on over here. You're crazy, Vern. You're crazy. That's what they've been trying to tell me. We're going home, Al. How are you going to do it? There's a million cops outside. People all over town heard about this. They're holding the crowd back. They ain't going to stop us now, Al. You'll never make it. Either one of you. I got him this far, didn't I? We'll make it. Vern, you think we could do it? Hey, you. Yeah? You're going to get a car ready for us, a fast one. Have it in front of the building. Move! All right, Fatty, do what he tells you. Right. Hold it. Yeah. If you ain't back by 9 o'clock, the deal still holds. I told him I'd pull the pin at 9, Al, if they didn't let you out. You ain't fooling, are you, Vern? Will that desert really blow? Four miles high. You know what that means, Al? Yeah. But they won't let you pull it. We're getting out. All right, copper. Get the car. You got four minutes. Hey, Ben. Ben. What happened? He spot me? Yeah, there's no time to explain. Now, listen. We gotta work fast. Yeah. We had to bring Connie's brother over from the jail. I don't think he cares if they get out or not. He just wants to use that bomb, and for some crazy reason, he's until nine. How much time we got? Let me look. Less than four minutes. How about the lead? You think he can do it? Strong wind. He'll have to hang on like a fly. I don't know. I can give it a try. Okay. Same plan. Every second counts. Now, I can't brief Ed. He's in the room with the guy. It's up to you and me. I'll get on the ledge from one of these offices. I hope they'll make me. If you don't, we'll know you tried. Hurry. Hey, Ben, wait a minute. Yeah? I forgot. The windows. The one on his right. He locked it. You'll have to crawl around with the one on the left. You got it? Right. Okay. The car will be ready in two minutes. Up front. Fine. Al and I'll just sit here and wait. Gonna be good being back together, huh, We always were real good together, Vern. Yeah, that's the way brothers ought to be together all the time. Together. Uh, Vern, I'd feel better with a gun. We don't need no gun, Al. <laughs> we got the bomb. We'll need a gun when we get out, when we get on the road. Okay. Take your pick. They all got them. Hey, you, give him yours. I'm not carrying a gun. I left it in the other room. A cop without a gun? Who's kidding who? I left it in the other room. Brisk the big boy, Al. He's got one. About time for the car, ain't it? Two minutes to nine. Yeah, this feels like it. Right on his hip. Hey, 
Run, look out! Grab him, Joe, I got him. Yeah. Get the box. Leave that gun alone. I got him, Ben. I gotta get his hand out of it. Run, Joe, get it in the water. Run! shared an elevator with a live bomb. It seemed like minutes between floors. I kept watching the bucket. The bomb was completely underwater. A small stream of bubbles was hissing to the surface. I waited. Main floor. I picked up the bucket and ran for the street. I missed the first step. I fell forward. The bucket spun out of my hand. I sprawled flat on the sidewalk. I waited for the explosion. It didn't go off, Friday. Yeah. I gave it a good chance, Lee. It was all there. Look. At least a dozen sticks of dynamite. Snyder, bring that over here. Here you are, Lieutenant. Thanks. Here's why it didn't go off. Mm-hmm. Had it rigged for a hard trigger pull. Would have taken a good yank to set this one off. Yeah. Hi, Joe. Hi, man. Come here. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Vernon Carney was examined by five different psychiatrists appointed by the Superior Court and was found to be incompetent. He is now confined in the state mental institution for the criminally insane. Elwood Carney is now serving the balance of his sentence with no time off for good behavior. heard the seventh in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Stay tuned for Bud Abbott and Lou Costello next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Abbott and Costello. A for Abbott, M for Maxwell, E for Ennis, L for Lou Costello. Yes, they spell camel. Experience is the best teacher. Try a camel. Let your own experience tell you why more people are smoking camels than ever before. And draw up a chair for tonight's camel show starring Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Come over here. Isn't it wonderful to be back in California, Lou? Uh, oh, Abbott, it's nice to be back in California. Yes. Boys, did I have fun coming on a plane? 
I told jokes and all the passengers rolled on the floor. Were your jokes that funny? No, I loosened all their safety belts. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, what about that beautiful blonde? Top each other, huh? What about that beautiful blonde? You know, the one you met in New York. Are you uh, going to write to her? It's no use, Abbott. I couldn't get the first base with her. Why not? Her husband was on second. Why are you? Idiot. <laughs> I, you idiot! I, I don't know what woman would see in you anyway. Oh, I guess I'm just irresistible. Well, even tonight, coming down here on the bus, the lady conductor punched out, "I love you on my transfer." Costello, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never be happy. Like my wife, Betty, and I. Oh, yes. Did you see her tonight? Oh, Betty. Oh, didn't she look beautiful, Louie? Yeah, she was wearing her new makeup. Yes. Dutch cleanser number four. Yes. <laughs> Never mind that. Did my uh, brother Norman meet you at the airport? Yes, and right away he dragged me into a joint to celebrate. Abbott, Norman had one bottle of beer and passed out cold. My brother Norman passed out from drinking one bottle of beer. He didn't drink it. I hit him over the head with it. Uh, uh, <laughs> you idiot. You know he pots his hair wait, in the middle now? Yes, all right, wait a minute, just a minute. Didn't I see you and your brother Pat down at San Pedro this morning? What uh-huh. were you doing there? Well, Pat was trying to buy one of them new Navy surplus boats. He, he'd have got one, too, if he hadn't have been a veteran. Well, what do you and your brother Pat want with a boat? You know nothing about boats. Oh, is that so, Abbott? I joined the Navy when I was four years old. Uh, how did you do that? I lied about my age. <laughs> Who did you sail with? Who did I sail with? Yes. I was on a ship with Captain Epson. I, I never heard of Captain Epson. He's an old salt. They... <laughs> Look, did you, ha- did you have any dangerous experiences in the Navy? Well, one time a schooner capsized on me. Uh, what did you do? What could I do? I wiped off the bar and ordered another one. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't be a dog, Lou. I don't believe I don't believe you've ever been to sea. You know absolutely nothing about the sea. Abbott, it so happens tonight that my bedtime story is going to be all about the sea. It's the story of Moby Dick. I tell the story all by myself, Abbott, and I don't need any help from you. So why don't you call up the automobile club and show them what a real wreck looks like? All right, now, look. Go ahead and tell your story. Now, Moby Dick was a great big whale. Yes, and Moby uh, Dick, no, as uh, I said before, uh, a he was a big a, whale. A mammal. He, he a, whale was, is, a whale is a mammal. You're interrupting a little early, aren't I you? I said a, a whale is a mammal. Yes, he was a mammal. Yeah. He was not a mammal, yeah. Abbott. How could he be a mammal? His name was Dick. He was a papple. And he had seven tittles. Now, shut up and let me tell the story. All right, go ahead. You're getting me a little burnt up Stop. already. Take it easy. Don't get excited now. I'm not getting excited. All right, you look it. Oh, do I? Now, Moby Dick was a great big whale, and he lived in the ocean. He loved to swim. When the water came up, he'd swim in. When the water went down, he'd swim out. Yeah, he swam with the tides. Yes. He, 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 he. Could I have that again? I, he swam with the tides. Tides. Oh, he didn't wear any tides. He was so big, he couldn't get a pair of tides to fit him, Abbott. <laughs> oh, yes, Abbott. Don't get me mixed no. up in the story now. I'm getting a little mad. Go ahead. Now I gotta be nice again. All right, go ahead. Now, nobody could catch Moby Dick. When do we laugh at this when thing? They're laughing before they're supposed to. All right. Don't <laughs> laugh now, all folks. All right, all right, take it easy. <laughs> now, when anybody come after, come after Moby Dick, he'd squirt water at them through his nose. Not, and not his nose, spout. Spout. Yes, he, he, spout? Yeah. Spout time, you keep your big mouth shut. <laughs> now, Abbott, let me finish the story. Well, go ahead, I'm waiting for the finish. Now, now, one day, Moby Dick was swimming along, and he passed a shark that was talking up a skew. What kind of shark? Now, who said that? I did, that's in case you asked. I'm not a <laughs> <laughs> uh, This was a pool shark. Now, get out of here before I bank your head in the side pocket. Now, take it easy. Now, Moby Dick was hungry. He was very hungry for a big whale, so he grabbed a great big clam. Abalone. Cl- huh? Abalone, abalone. Abbott. This is no baloney. This is a true story. No, you, you said you said anything about baloney. Who said it? Who did? You, uh, you, you did. I didn't say anything. What did you say? I said abalone. There you go. You said it again. No, abalone. no, you dummy. I said the whale was eating abalone. Where would the whale get baloney in the ocean? No, no. Abbott, he was eating a great big clam. Abalone is a clam. How do you like that? They're making baloney out of clam. No, no, no. They don't make a... 
abalone out of clams, the kind of clam I'm talking about is abalone. A clam is abalone? That's right. One of us is nuts. Abbott, why don't you baloney up? Let me tell my and finish my story. <laughs> you mean clam. Uh, Didn't you just tell me that clam is abalone? That's right. Well, if you don't shut your clam, I'll hit you over the head with a baloney. All right, now, don't get excited. <laughs> now, Moby Dick was a friendly whale. He liked to play with the fish, especially uh, the itty-bitty little fishy. Guppies? Sure, he, he, he... What was that? Uh, guppies, guppies. Haven't you ever heard of guppies? Oh, I listen to guppies all the time. Guppies Tavern. <laughs> now, Moby Dick was swimming along. One day he saw a swordfish fighting with a mackerel. The swordfish stabbed the mackerel, then he stabbed him again, and he stabbed him oh, again, and he stabbed mind. him again. The poor little mackerel. And he mackerel. stabbed him again. The poor little mackerel must have been full of holes. Yeah, he was a holy mackerel. Hold on. Then... <laughs> Will you stop laughing now? Well, when do we laugh at it? I'm Come not on. even finished with the story yet. <laughs> then the swordfish saw Moby Dick, Moby Dick <laughs> and, he, and he lunged at him. <laughs> And he, and, he, and he lunged at him. And Moby Dick and what lunged happened? at the swordfish, and what the swordfish happened? lunged at Moby Dick. Well, what happened? They had lunch together. <laughs> and, and then Moby Dick paid the check. He was a very wealthy whale, Abbott. He owned stores all over the country. Oh, now, look, don't get silly. What kind of store is going to whale uh, Abbott, own? ain't you ever never heard of the whale and drug stores? Well, all right, go ahead. <laughs> now, Moby Dick didn't feel so good, so he went to see the doctor fish. Doctor fish? Yeah, he was a famous sturgeon. So? Uh, <laughs> he, well, he was too. He All was right, a well, great physician. <laughs> now, when he got to the sturgeon's office, there was a walrus in there having a tooth pull. That tooth and tusk. He... Huh? Uh, tusk, tusk. Oh, yes. Well, tusk, tusk to you and a couple of poop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, also in the sturgeon's office was a big fish with band-aids stuck on both sides of his jaw. What was the matter with him? He was plastered to the gills. Oh, <laughs> why didn't he come to the station's office? Well, he just stopped in for the halibut. For the halibut. All right, go ahead. <laughs> then a quartet of fish, a quartet of fish came in and started singing. Now, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. A quartet of fish? Oh, what a quartet of it. First tuna, second tuna, barracuda, and bass. <laughs> they sang for scale. Oh, they yeah. Were, yeah, they were always good for a fin apiece. Suddenly, <laughs> suddenly a voice hollered, I's regusted brother crawfish. Let's all go home. Who was that? That was a kingfish. A king? Now, <laughs> on the way home, Moby Dick, he passed the school of fish. Well, what kind of fish? How do I know what kind of fish? Well, were they weak fish? What do I know about their physical condition? I, all right. All I know that a couple of them were Gershwin fish. A uh, Gershwin fish? Yeah, Porgy and Bess. Uh, so, uh, now, look, well, just a minute. Porgy and Bess had nothing to do with this. Oh, they did too. Oh, Some no. of our best tuners come from Porgy and Bess. I got plenty of nothing. Oh, stop, Costello. This is ridiculous. What happened to, to Moby Dick? Now, it's a very, now we're getting near the end. That's it. Come on. Very sad ending, Abbott. All right, let's hear it. One day he swam away and nobody ever saw the big whale again. He swam away. Abbott, you're supposed to say, Costello, I'll tell you where he went. And no, I said, you I keep out of this. No, okay, listen, now. Go ahead. I'll tell you that. I okay. naturally would ask I you I started that. the story and I'm going to finish it. Whales are just like elephants, Abbott. They have a graveyard where they go to die. No matter where a whale lives, he goes to the whale's graveyard to die. Whales swim thousands of miles from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean, against currents, over reefs, through storms, hurricanes, typhoons, and monsoons. They swim and they swim until they get to the whale graveyard. And when they get there, Abbott, they die. They die? Yeah, it's the trip that kills them. <laughs> to light up a camel and listen to Skinny Anna sing You'll always be the one I love Every hour, every day, every year You'll always be the one I love Through each smile, through each sigh, through each tear 
my heart will feel the same old glow Even though the stars may fade from above I promise there will be no other arms for me You'll always be the one I love You'll always be the one I love Through its mouth, through its sigh, through its tear My heart will feel the same old glow Even though the stars may fade from above I promise there will be no other arms for me You'll always be the one I love. Hey, Abbott. Hey, Abbott. I just bought a boat. I just bought a boat, Abbott, at the government auction. Here's a picture of it. My, she looks beautiful standing there in her slip. She's in a slip. Uh-oh, wrong picture. No, 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 no you dummy. <laughs> this is the right picture. It's a, it's a picture of a y'all in a slip. Picture of what? Uh, y'all in a slip. Abbott, yeah, y'all is crazy. I never had a picture taken in a slip. No, 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 no. Y'all, y'all is a boat, an old tub. You did it. Now that did it, Abbott. You all can't insult me. Just for that, I'm going to hold off and give you what? The dirtiest look you ever had. Now, now listen to you. Listen, you idiot. If you're going to sail this boat, you'll, you'll have to get a license. Now run across the street to City Hall and you'll find that the boat license is in room three. 310, that's it. Okay, room 310. Yeah. We'll invite the whole gang out on a fishing party, Abbott. That's I think it. I'll make it foreman. Foreman. No fish admitted without tails. Wait right here, Abbott. I'll go over to room 310 and get the license. Go ahead. Oh, that dummy, I hope he gets the license without balling things up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 310? That's the marriage license bureau. Costello! Costello! Uh-oh. Oh, it's two ladies gone. How do you do, clerk? I'm Lou Costello, and I'd like to take out a license. A license? Well, congratulations, Mr. Costello. Where did you find her? Government surplus? <laughs> no kidding Say, were there many of them down there? Oh, sure, hundreds of them Some from the Coast Guard, some from the Marines, some from the Navy And two or three from private parties <laughs> Were uh, most of them in good shape? Nah, a lot of them needed a new bridge <laughs> On some, the paint was cracked Others were bulging a little at the seams But I picked the best one Yes, sir, I'll bet you did uh, When does the ceremony take place? Tomorrow I'm gonna shove her into the Pacific Ocean <laughs> Boy, right away, show her who's the boss. Oh, I'll be the master, all right. I'm going to start the ceremony by cracking a bottle of champagne on her nose. <laughs> Brother, you got the right idea. By the way, how old is she? Oh, she's pretty old. But she'll be all right when she gets the barnacle scraped off. <laughs> Barnacles? <laughs> Barnacles, eh? I thought mine was bad just because she had a couple of bunions. Bunions? <laughs> bunions on a boat? Costello? Costello? Costello. Come out of here. Come on. Hey, Abbott, this Come guy on. is nuts. His boat's got bunions. Who's talking about boats? I am. That's what I want a license for. Uh, look, this is the marriage license for your Costello. I've got the boat license. Come on. We'll pick up Skinny and Marilyn and start off on that fishing trip. Hurry up. Hiya, fellas. Well, I'm all ready to go out on the boat with you, Costello. You going on this boat in that outfit? What's the idea of wearing a woman's nightgown and carrying a doll? That's in case the boat sinks. You know the rule of the sea. Women and children first. 
Skinny, why don't you crawl up in the crow's nest? What for? Get one of those crows and sit on an egg you just laid. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you are, Louis, my love. My, what a beautiful boat. Marilyn, my sweet, let's you and I sail away to some tropical island. We'll sit alone in the moonlight and I'll sing a romantic song in your ear like beer barrel polka. Oh, but Louis, there's nothing romantic about a beer barrel. There is if you drink the beer first. <laughs> Ah, oh, Louis, my love, you're so cute. When we get back from this boat trip, I'm going to take you to my house. Yes. I'll fix you a big dinner. Mm-hmm. Roast duck, um, chocolate cake, chocolate strawberry cake. ice cream. Strawberry ice cream. And then after dinner, yeah. we'll go in the living room. Oh, yes. And have a demitasse. I knew it. I knew you weren't treating me that nice for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Costella, Costella, I weighed the anchor and we're ready to cast off. Get up on the bridge there and act as first mate. Aye, aye, sir. Okay. Okay. Haul anchor! Haul anchor! Port, you're missing! Port, you're missing! Loop your poop deck! Loop your poop deck! (laughs) (laughs) Bend down the hatches! Run up the rigging! Reef in the mainsail. Pearl the spinsail. Hard the starboard. Man the force. Loop your poop deck! (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Costello, I thought you were a sailor. Look, you got the helm caught in the rigging. Well, get the helm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Louie. Hello. Louis Costello's a lousy sailor. Who said that? So that's the ship's parrot. Oh. Hello, Polly. Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker? That's all I hear. Why don't somebody offer me a rye crispy? <laughs> <laughs> ah, never mind that word, Costello. I should have never come on this fishing trip with you. But there's dangerous reefs out there. There's a storm coming up. I'll man the wheel and get us through those reefs. Aye, aye, sir. What a terrible storm. This is my chance to be a hero. Can I get my ship and my crew safely through these savage seas? Can I navigate the swirling waters of the jagged reef? Can I bring my ship untouched through the treacherous shoals? from Metro-Golden-Mare, producers of Lady in the Lake. Assisted by the four hits, Marilyn sings for camel fans everywhere, Wish I May, Wish I Might. Needles! Pins! Triplets! Twins! When a man marries, his trouble begins. When a man dies, his trouble ends. Let's touch thumbs and see who wins. Wish I may, wish I might. Get the wishes I'm wishing tonight. A young cadet, blonde or brunette. A Romeo in search of Juliet. Wish I might, wish I may. Get 
get the wishes I'm wishing today. A lot of noise, a lot of boys, and an awful lot of boys. I want a date, we'll stay out late. A brother rat who leave me flat won't rape. Plus an orchid from New York. A raft of taffeta will be round me. Scads of lads will harm me and they will cheer for the bell of the brawl of the year. So hold me close and hug me tight and get the wish I wish I may I might. I wish I may. Wish I had a dozen roses. I wish I might. Wish I had a proper closet. I wish I may. Wish I had a slinky hairdo. I wish I might. Wish my evening gown was bare too. I wish I may. I would knock the little eyes out if I could get the wish I wish tonight. Wish I didn't have a chaperone. Wish we had a chance to be all alone. We could slip away and tell jokes and drink cokes, but we're afraid the prop would never condone it. So we wish we may, we wish we might. Wish we had a secret hideaway. And a car and wish to drive away. In a private rendezvous we'll dance. What an invitation to romance. So just say needles, miss, 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 miss. Give a yell. Give a cheer. For the bell of the brawl of the year. So hold me close and hug me tight. Well, now you've done it, Costello. We're shipwrecked, shipwrecked on this deserted island. We can't even tell where we are. I could tell in a minute if I had one of those little round gadgets. What little round gadget? You know that little round thing with a needle in it that says north, north by east, north, north, south, east, east, east by east, east by southwest, west, west by south, west by southwest, south, south by north, south by northwest. Wait a minute, you mean a compass. Isn't it funny I can never remember that word? (laughs) I wish we knew where we were. Hey, Abbott. We're in the land of the Incas. How, how, how do you know? If I did <laughs> Hey, you are. The four Inca spots. Hey, Inca. <laughs> oh, Lewis, honey, we've got to get off this island. I just saw four big Incas. Yeah, they're four of the biggest Incas I ever saw. <laughs> but don't worry, Marilyn, darling. You're talking to a great sailor, a great fisherman. I'll get us off this island... Sailing, sailing over the bounty sea You'll always find Costello, for a fisherman is he Luke Costello, the famous fisherman I was hitting the puss with a salmon while the salmon was in the can Sailing, sailing over the bounty sea You'll always find Costello, for a fisherman is he He went sailing before he became a blimp My father used me for bait cause I was a little shrimp Costello, I didn't know you were so fond of the sea I'm a regular Isaac Walton It's in my blood 
My red corpuscles go in and out with a tide. The Costellos were all great sailors, Abbott, all the way back to 1492. America was discovered by Christopher Costello. There never was a sailor who was neater. He sailed the ocean in his three famous boats. The Pinta, the Nina, and the Santa Anita. They're running at Hollywood Park. Bazooka is going to the front. Bingo is second. Clinker is third. Coming into the stretch, it's Rosebud in front. Bonnie B by four lengths. Firefly is third by eight. And the winner is Girdle. They let him out in the stretch. (laughs) Ah, Lewis, my little stout trout. What thrilling adventures you must have had on the ocean. Yes, I had mal de mer, too. Mal de mer? Yep, that's French for you can't take it with you. (laughs) Oh, Lewis, you're so smart and wonderful. Dear Lewis, to me, you're a hero in bell-bottom slacks. When I'm on the sea, I'm the pride of the waves and the wax. (laughs) When you're at my side, I could sail in a sea full of squalls. Let's... Go for a ride. Yes, yes. In a barrel down Niagara Falls. <laughs> He's a sailor man and a fisherman too. He's the smartest fisherman you ever knew. A she lovers make past the mainsail, strip down the mizzenmast, swab those decks, you dirty swabs. Loop the poop deck. <laughs> hey, hey, Costello. Wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that you really understand all of those nautical terms? Did I say something nautical? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, do you understand navigation? Yeah, but I'm a real navigator. When I was a baby, I played with boats just like a sailor. And then as a boy scout, I learned to tie knots just like a sailor. Then last night, I whistled at a girl just like a sailor. How did you make out? Shake hands with a landlubber. <laughs> ah, but I love the ocean. When I see the sea, then my heart starts to melt. I have fished every fish, and I've smelled every smelt. I've dueled in the sun with a swordfish. I have frolicked with fin and with patty. But I can eat fish because I'm a potter, and a fish may be somebody's daddy. <laughs> I swam uh, with the fish in the lakes and the pools. I got a degree from attending their schools. I once kissed a mermaid just for a laugh. And now that same mermaid is my better half. <laughs> Many brave hearts are asleep in the deep. So... Costello, 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 how's it feel to be away down there? I'm feeling mighty low. Costello, there's only one way you can get off this island. Somebody has got to swim to the mainland and get help. Here, buckle on this life preserver and get going. Okay, Abbott. I'll go behind these bushes, take off my clothes, put on the life preserver, and I'll swim for help.
this is terrible, Mr. Abbott. We're slowly starving to death. Yeah, Costello's been gone for four days and four nights. Poor Costello. I, I'm glad I gave him that life preserver. I, I can see him battling those waves, struggling through that turret. Sure, if I will. Oh, my goodness, my mind's off it. But for four days and four nights, I wonder what's taking him so long. <laughs> hey, look, it's Costello. He's back. He's made it. Oh, Lewis, honey, you don't know how I've worried for four days and four nights while we waited for you to come back. Costello, I've never been so happy to see you. I, I'm glad you're back, Lou. Back? I didn't even start yet. How in the heck do you get into this life preserver? What? Abbott and Costello will be back in just a moment for Camel Cigarettes. During the war, the makers of Camel Cigarettes sent a total of more than 150 million free camels to our fighting men overseas. Now free camels are sent to servicemen's hospitals instead. This week, the camels go to Veterans Hospital, Van Nuys, California, U.S. Army Pratt General Hospital, Coral Gables, Florida, U.S. Naval Hospital, Brooklyn, New York, U.S. Marine Hospital, Cleveland, Ohio, and Veterans Hospital, Newcastle, Delaware. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States three times a week, are rebroadcast to practically every area in the world where our men are still stationed, and to our good neighbors in Central and South America. And now here are Bud Abbott and Lou Costello with a final word. Well, Costello... Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Yes, Abbott, and I've written a beautiful Valentine poem all for you. Oh, that's very sweet. Would you like to read it? Certainly. Here it goes. What Harpo means to Groucho and Chico, what Kugat means to Tico Tico, what Molly means to Fibber McGee, what a few beads mean to Gypsy Rose Lee, what a patch on a seat means to the pants of a fellow. Abbott, my pal, that's what you mean to Lou Costello. Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Good night. next week for another great Abbott and Costello show brought to you by Camel Cigarette. This is Michael Roy in Hollywood wishing you all a pleasant good night for Camel. Stay tuned now for the Eddie Cantor Show. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Escape, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.